0: Sometimes, but not always, a little philosophy can go a long way. A little philosophy can help truth to come to the surface. A little philosophy can raise penetrating and pertinent questions. Of course, as my mother has said on many occasions addressed to my father and me, it is typical of a man to say something and make it completely unclear. My mother wasn't speaking about Wittgenstein or Kant, but she might as well have been. Wittgenstein, in his typical far-from-crystal-clear sort of way, says this. Where does the idea come from? That the beginning of a series is a visible section of rails invisibly laid to infinity. Well, we might imagine rails instead of a rule. An infinitely long rails correspond to the unlimited application of a rule like the face that launched a thousand ships that particular wee paragraph of wittgenstein launched a thousand articles now at this stage the oxford preacher performs a little trick he gives a short interpretation of something learned but so as not to appear ignorant before students who have just written essays on the topic He goes on to say, of course, there are other interpretations and complexities and so on, but I won't bore you with them now. I take Wittgenstein, for my own part, to be saying that, although we have rules and follow them, there are no rules that tell us exactly what to do in every situation. We have to use our intelligence and sometimes make the best guess. It's not like holding on to a rail which guides us infallibly to the truth in every circumstance. But of course, there are other interpretations and complexities and so on, but I won't bore you with them now. <laughs> then we can add Kant into the heady brew. Kant focused on things called maxims that in our actions we operate according to certain principles that we wish to uphold in and through our actions. The problem is however, that as complex, mixed up fallen creatures that we are, we do not know for sure if the maxim we think we are acting on is in fact the maxim we are acting on, or even if we are really acting on a maxim properly at all. We are capable of all sorts of self-delusion and sometimes that capacity in ourselves is all too real. Now what came into our minds while we were listening to the parable of the wheat and the tares? Perhaps the most likely thing that comes into our minds, at least when we do not sit and think about it too much, is that the world is composed, more or less, of goodies and baddies, and whilst no one is simplistic enough to think that it is always so clear cut, it can be like that sometimes, and then The Lord Jesus, the Son of Man who knows the heart and the soul, will sort it all out in the end of the world. Now, part of the background to this parable is not only that some of the tares are difficult to uproot without uprooting the wheat, but some of the tares are not easily distinguishable from the wheat, at least in the early stages. There is no easy separation. There is no easy identification. But if Wittgenstein and Kant were among Jesus' listeners, and I certainly wouldn't envy Jesus that, what questions would they have asked? What points might they have raised? <clears throat> I wonder if Kant would have raised the question as to how anyone can really know if he or she is one of the goodies, or one of the baddies, for that matter. We may act on maxims and principles, some of them good and some of them, well, not so good. But how do we know for sure what kinds of motives we are acting from? And Wittgenstein, after a bit of a sulk, might stick his hand up and say that even if we know something of the rules of how to behave, the rules of how to be more like wheat than like tares, how are we to know how to apply them in all the footy sorts of situations we can all find ourselves in? Personally, like many Christians and many non-Christians and non-believers for that matter, I believe that certain things are wrong, straightforwardly wrong at base, and that certain things are right straightforwardly right at base. But that does not mean for a moment that I am able to tell you the exact conditions in every case or what might or might not constitute an extenuating circumstance, or what exactly is going on in the heart of the acting person and so where exactly responsibility lies. I believe in codes and I believe in rules, but I'm not thereby committed being simple-minded about them so i put it to you as well as challenging us about right and wrong reminding us of the consequences of what we may allow ourselves to become the challenge of the parable of the wheat and the tares goes a lot lot further a lot lot deeper quite simply when faced by questions As to whether we ourselves are wheat or tares or, as is most likely, a combination of the two, there is still a great deal we do not know about ourselves. Ironically, the saints knew that. But in Jesus' words and in his message, there is nothing at all to encourage us to throw up our hands and to give up or to be filled with anxiety because we do not know for sure. There is a kind of resolution that is possible here. For me it basically comes in two parts. First of all, just because we do not know for sure many things about ourselves, it doesn't mean we know nothing. I might not know if I'm a selfish person or not, but I should know if I'm riven by hate or not. But in any case, there is a great deal to be said for something along the lines of, this is my best judgment about myself, (coughs) this is my best judgment about what to do. I may be wrong in some way about it, but I will try to do so in a spirit of honest humility. At least if you're humble, your mistakes do not go all the way down. But for people of my religious tradition and for the bulk of Christianity, there is another move that can be deeply liberating. Why focus on the acting person first and foremost? For the Christian faith tells us that what matters most is the love and mercy of God. That we cannot save ourselves, but need the love and mercy of God, which is greater than our sin, is greater than our ignorance. This is in no way to deny personal responsibility but simply to grant primacy to God. And if we put that together with a spirit of humility we end up with something along the lines of there but for the grace of God go I, there but for the grace of God go any of us. And yet for all that as followers of Christ we are called to be prophetic to our world We are called to make a difference to our world, to be able to read the signs of the times and to help others see them too. Here's a thought which you may or may not buy but here it goes anyway. I know that religion is often perceived as being on the side of judgmentalism and to be fair as any half-baked survey of history would show that perception does not come from nowhere but let's be honest isn't society in some ways pretty judgmental too surely to see that is to read one of the signs of the times pick up pretty much any newspaper and look for judgmentalism and you'll probably find it in abundance the tabloids are the most blatant and least subtle titillation combined with censoriousness And little or no respect for privacy. Now perhaps one small way we might be a light to our world and be prophetic is to try to break through these vicious circles, to preach a way of living that has its principles, that has its vision, but is nonetheless imbued with a spirit of realistic humility about ourselves and about others. The choice is not between Easy relativism or simple minded rigorism, but rather opting for a vision that guides but does not smother, that guides but does not despise the one who fails to live up to it, that recognizes that we all have our feet in the mud, at least to some extent. The mixture of the wheat and the tares in all our hearts. Ah, well. There may be much about ourselves we do not know, but we can place our lives and our awareness that we do not know many, many things into the hands of God and remember and pray with hope, gratitude and realistic humility, there but for the grace of God go I, there but for the grace of God go any of us.